0: Midtown Detroit Studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today.
1: Second chances don't come along all the time, but this week in Michigan, there's a really significant one that is beginning to unfold. About a million people with criminal records will begin to see that blemish disappear thanks to the clean slate law that passed in 2020. We're going to talk today about what this means for those getting a clean slate and how it fits in the context of the overall push for criminal justice reform. That's all next on Detroit Today, but right now, the news from NPR.
2: Detroit Today is supported by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History.
1: Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you decided to join us today. If I asked you to do one thing that might improve the lives of a million Michigan residents in the most efficient way possible, what would come to your mind? I think many times when we think about things like this, we think about money. We could give them money or we could help pay off their debts. Or we could make sure they have affordable housing or some of the other necessities. But this week, we're learning that there may be an even more immediate and significant way to help out a tenth of Michigan's 10 million residents. This week, Michigan's new Clean Slate Law began the process of automatically expunging some criminal misdemeanor and felony convictions in our state. Attorney General Dana Nessel estimates up to 1 million residents, again, a tenth of our population, will see convictions expunged. This week alone, almost half of them, 400,000, will be conviction-free. For Nessel and proponents of the system... These automatic expungents are going to help strengthen the state's workforce. They will reduce recidivism and benefit communities. And that's because things like criminal background checks, even for minor offenses or transgressions that occurred really deeply in someone's past those things can prevent people from doing some of the basic things people need to do they can hurt eligibility for social programs they can hurt people's ability to get jobs they can even reduce people's ability to obtain decent housing but Others will argue that automatic expungement for these offenses is maybe a bad idea for them. They say, look, if you do the crime, you do the time, and a permanent record is one of the things that people believe may dissuade folks from committing crimes in the first place. Even more, Michigan has already had a system for obtaining expungence through the courts. And even if it was costly and time-consuming, some people argue that served as an effective deterrent, again, from what we deem criminal behavior in the first place. So what are the consequences of doing it this way, of expunging crimes for so many people. A little later, we are going to talk to Safe and Just Michigan Executive Director John Cooper about what these expungements will mean for the people who are going to be getting them here in Michigan. And of course, all our, we want to hear from folks who may be benefiting from this. Uh, Are you somebody who's got a misdemeanor or felony on your record? all of a sudden you're seeing the opportunity for it to go away, let us know Uh, What that changes for you, let us know how that feels even to see that happen. But first, we also want to take a look at what the effect of expungement programs like these look like around the country and on a global level. J.J. Prescott is a law professor and co-director of the Empirical Legal Studies Center at the University of Michigan Law School, and he's been studying this for some time. Professor Prescott, welcome to Detroit Today.
0: Uh, really happy to be here. Thanks.
1: So let's start with why you started researching expungements and what role you think this idea kind of plays in the narrative about criminal justice reform in uh, in our country.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, the 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 story of America over the last thirty or forty years has been what do we do with the consequences of a very punitive criminal justice system. Uh, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, our system is one of is is, is the most punitive system in the free world. <laughs> and one of the consequences of, of having so many people spend time in prison and go through the criminal justice system is that we have to have a strategy for when they emerge. Either from prison or once they um, serve whatever sentence they they happen to have received, and and so in in recent years there's been a lot of focus on issues like reentry. How do we make the transition back to, let's call it regular life, effective? How do we make sure that people can become contributing members of of society and 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 not return to crime or even be at risk of returning to crime? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of that has to do with figuring out how to, to remove the, the, the labels and the stigma that comes with acts in your past that are no longer relevant to who you are going forward.
1: So I, I wanna talk for just a second about the idea of continued and maybe permanent uh, uh, punishment or liabilities that we sort of foist uh, on people who, who commit crimes. I'm not sure most people are familiar with that. Uh, give us a sense of how dark that can be. How, how limiting can it be for someone, even with a misdemeanor on their record, to, to as you say, go back to normal life after, after they've paid for their crime, either with you know, a probation uh, period or, or even time in prison?
0: Honestly it's pretty dark. I mean it's not uh it's not uncommon if you apply for a job. In fact it's completely the norm that you'll have a back, background check conducted. And that background check has become more common over time as access to records has become easier through the you know the adoption of of technology and the collection of data from courts and uh and the ability of of employers to 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 essentially toss your application in the trash if you have something like that in your past has has essentially become common practice and so while well, 50 years ago it might have been possible for for you to have a record for you to have a conversation with an employer and explain what happened um that opportunity is much more limited today people apply through the internet they submit an application a background check might be run before you even talk to anybody even in the consideration of having uh, uh of of whether somebody's going to offer you an interview and if that record comes up uh, for a lot of people that's the end and and it's not hard you can find you know th- thousands and thousands and thousands of people in, in michigan who will just tell you like i apply for a job and nothing ever comes of it I'm, I'm qualified i'm capable i'm hardworking, i have references but it just doesn't matter if i have a record yeah uh, and as i mentioned in the
1: open oh, it's not just employment i mean uh, there are other things in people's lives that get denied to them because they have criminal records
0: that's right. So, you know, landlords now, I mean, background checks are so easy to access now that landlords conduct them, uh, lots of uh, other places where records can pop up. For example, you know, I if I want to do something with my children at their school, I have to, you know, uh, let's say chaperone a field trip, I have to actually go through a background check. And you can imagine how how it feels to, you know, even if you have a, a minor crime way in your past, how it feels to, to know that everybody in your children's school will know that you have something like that in your past. It might cause you, for example, to just not volunteer for those kinds of opportunities, to not get yourself involved in areas of life where, where your record might come up. And, and be an issue for some people yeah. because it, it doesn't really matter if it's an issue for everybody. it matters if it's if it's an issue just for a few people who who, who might make a big deal about it.
1: Yeah, We're talking with JJ Prescott. he's a law professor and co-director of the Empirical Legal Studies Center at the University of Michigan Law School. We're talking about the Clean Slate Law here in Michigan, passed in 2020, finally starting to take effect this week. What it does is expunge some misdemeanor and felony convictions for uh, for about a million residents here uh, in Michigan, gives them a second chance uh, to, to kind of start over in a in a way of a, of a clean slate uh we'd love to hear from you during the conversation as well what do you make of this effort to wipe the slate clean for uh, about a million people with criminal records uh, are you someone who might be benefiting from this law give us a call and l- let us know what it has been like to have that record follow you around and perhaps deny you opportunities uh, that you might otherwise have had. What kind of effect do you think this expungement will have on your opportunities and your outlook? Uh, also, would love to hear from people who are maybe a little more skeptical about this law and what kind of impact it will have on Michigan residents. Uh, if you don't support the idea of this kind of expungement, uh, call and tell us why as well. The number here is. 313 577 1019. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to Twitter and you can hashtag Detroit Today and we can work you into the conversation uh, that way. Uh, JJ, I want to talk a, a little more about how all of this works and the effect that it, that it has. Do expungements have a direct cause uh, or an effect? Uh, on crime, do they increase crime? Do they decrease crime, or does it not really correlate with uh, with any of that?
0: Well, actually, the 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 I think it's it's pretty clear from the research that people who are eligible for set asides, which uh, in in Michigan and expungement, uh, are low risk at committing crime, and the reason for that is, um, first of all, they have to have an eligible record, which means that if you know if you're uh, possibly going to receive an automatic set aside, or if you can petition for a set aside, you're going to have uh, a record that doesn't include the most serious uh, types of crimes. But on top of that, there is a waiting period—a waiting period that lasts anywhere from three to five to seven to ten years, depending on uh, what's you know what path you're taking uh, to receive your your expungement. And what we know from uh, criminal justice research is that people desist over time in crime. And if you have not committed a crime or not had an interaction with the criminal justice system in in a number of years, oftentimes people mention the uh, the five-year mark, um, the likelihood that you're going to return to crime is very low. So we we studied this actually in Michigan, a co-author of mine, Sonia Starr, at the University of Chicago. And I looked at what happened to people who received set-asides in Michigan, all of the people who received set-asides in Michigan up up until around 2012. And what we found is that people receiving set-asides, these people who had their records uh, wiped clean, were actually less likely than the average adult in the state of Michigan to have any further interaction with the criminal justice system over a reasonable amount of time, sort of normal uh, time uh, periods, three to five years. And this could be due to two separate um, uh, drivers. The first is these people are just low risk anyways. If you've actually, gotten yourself um, back onto uh, track and you haven't had any interaction with the criminal justice system for a while, you're also a little bit older because of the waiting period, you're just much less likely to commit a crime. But on top of that, many of the effects you mentioned before related to employment and housing, these are known criminogenic factors. If you can't find a job, if you can't make ends meet, if your housing is unstable, these are the the, the causes of a lot of criminal behavior. And if you can get past those, then it's no shock that people are um, less likely to commit crime. So in the end, the evidence suggests that that actually expunging records and giving people a, 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 a new shot is going to reduce crime. It's not going to it's not going to it's not going to keep it the same and it's certainly not going to increase it.
1: Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll continue talking with JJ Prescott of the University of Michigan Law School. We'll also get going with listeners on the phones and on social. Xavier in Ann Arbor, Darren in Southfield, we'll hear from you. If you want to join them 313-577-1019 is the number and you can go to Twitter hashtag us and we can include you in the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm glad you've joined us. Our guest right now is J.J. Prescott. He's a law professor and co-director of the Empirical Legal Studies Center at the University of Michigan Law School. We're talking about the clean slate law that was passed here in 2020 in Michigan and is beginning to unfold this week as about a million residents, a tenth of the population in our state, will have convictions, criminal convictions expunged. Imagine uh, the the change in your life that would be possible if uh, you were someone who had a criminal record kind of following you around all the time. Uh, all of a sudden, just go away. That's what we're talking about. What effect that will have on the people who will benefit from this, but also how it fits into the larger narrative of criminal justice reform that we've been Uh, talking about in this country for some time want to hear from you on the phones and on social 313-577-1019 is the number that's 313-577-1019 you can also go to twitter and hashtag Detroit today and we'll work you into the conversation let's start today with Xavier in Ann Arbor Xavier welcome to the show
3: thank you very much I wanted to chime in really quick I was a person who actually did something, and I went on probation. And before these laws, it took 25 years for people to recognize, like, oh, okay, you're no longer a threat. So for me, when I heard this, I said, wow, it's going to be great that people that don't have qualifying crimes are going to be on their record forever. They can actually not have to wait years or decades to get this clear so they can re enter society. And the point I kind of want to make, too, is, when we doom people to these things, what are they supposed to do during those decades to yeah. stay you know, free and clear when they can't work? They don't have opportunities. They can't get state licensures to do things. So for, from my point of view, this is great for people who really deserve a second chance and can prove it as well. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a great law.
1: Xavier, before I go back to our guest, can you tell us a little more about that 25 years? I mean, that's an incredible amount of time. So uh, what New was White that was like? Yeah, go ahead.
3: Absolutely. The way the old law worked was this, um, people could run background checks from 7 to 10 years. So during that time, you have to disclose things. And don't get me wrong, you you should disclose what you've done. It's fine to give a person a head of that. But just like the gentleman said, our guest, he said, it used to be where you could talk to the employer and say, hey, I was having a bad time in my life. This is what's going on. And so now with technology, you can't do that. So even to even entertain, hey, my friends asked me, can you go hunting? I can't. Because I have something on my record, I can't even buy you know, a weapon, I can't be in possession of one. And it took you know, over two, almost three decades for that to uh, get cleared up. So now everything's fine, you know, nothing comes up on my record. But I think that people should get a second chance, as long as it's something that's not a qualifiable thing, like homicide, rape, you know, kidnapping, those things are a little bit different because of the violent nature, but I feel a person should get a second chance, and in my case, I learned my lesson, but it took me that long, almost three decades, to clear it up.
1: Yeah, uh, Xavier, I'm I'm really glad you called because that is uh, that is a really interesting that's uh, really interesting story about how this works. And again, I think lots of people don't get to see that up close. That how difficult that is. Uh, JJ Prescott, I, I'd love to hear you react to what uh, what Xavier's telling us about this experience.
0: Sure, I mean, I think uh, Xavier's story is 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 really quite typical. twenty five years is a long time, mm-hmm. uh, but the 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 goal for people who who have committed a crime uh, and have been punished is to then you know turn them around. And in many ways, we try to do this with a reentry policy. you know we 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 have services to try to help people get back on their feet. and yet, with criminal records, especially given that it's almost a a sort of a side private industry, so background check companies go out and get records from courts and make this information available, Uh, people start with a weight around uh, their neck. Now, under previous law, it was possible for certain people after a waiting period to apply uh, for uh, expungement after a certain number of years, but that process turned out to be, like, really difficult. I mean, I used to uh, show people uh, uh, an image of what the list of things that you used to have to do uh, looked like and it's it's pretty overwhelming and it also requires putting yourself in front of a a, a court and 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 doing a bunch of uh, things that are that are uncomfortable for people who've had a negative experience with the system in the past. it's also expensive and time consuming and so as a result not a lot of people, did it, and that's what the automatic expungement law is really aimed at: is recognizing that if we're going to say we want people to have a, a a fresh chance, that we really think that they are ready to 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 return to society, we 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 ought not make them jump through a bunch of hoops in order to get there. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, Xavier, I, I really appreciate the call, and uh, I'm really sorry that uh, that it's taken this long. This is uh this is a big deal. Uh, to change the way that uh, people in your situation have have to manage that. Let's go next to David in Detroit. David, welcome to the show.
4: Hey, thanks for talking about this topic. I'm really grateful that the Michigan legislature took this step forward, but it's just one of several layers to the challenge. So I'm thinking about neighbors in the city of Detroit that I've worked with over the years that have had federal crimes, especially drug crimes Mm -hmm. from the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And I've had a really hard time even identifying efforts at the national level to look for expungement opportunities or coalitions seeking expungement opportunities for federal crimes. So I was hoping your guests could talk a little bit about some of the uh, information that might be happening at the federal level to address the uh, crack in cocaine and all of these things that we, you know, have really no relief for within the system
1: yeah uh, David great question uh, JJ Prescott that that is uh, I think that looms pretty largely in the background of this discussion is is many more crimes that uh, that we haven't figured out a way to take care of so that people can uh, yeah. can live their lives.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the listener's right that um, activity at the federal level to address this problem for federal crimes, which are, are usually drug crimes or or immigration-related crimes, uh, there has been very little activity. Um, President Biden uh, m- took some action with respect to marijuana possession convictions in in recent uh, months and that was a positive step, and I think there is a lot of interest uh, among some people in Washington to to move on this. There is a a large consortium of of people and funders, who are um, excited about the potential improvement of people's lives and 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 society by giving people a clean slate and a fresh chance, uh, and. I, I got to believe, I hope, that uh, that effort will eventually make some headway in Washington. But it, it but it really hasn't yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Frank in uh, Green Oak Township. Frank, what's on your mind? Hey,
5: uh, good morning, Stephen. Um, I have a, a comment that, um, I mean, I've known people. Uh, you know various people that have gotten into trouble, and and I would use the uh, example of uh, a DUI where somebody was uh, hurt and uh, you know or killed, and um, it was the the crime was the the one that they got caught for. You know, it, you know they had many incidents before this; they just didn't get caught. So, yeah, it's just one conviction. I also think you know you know generally uh, you know, people people bad behavior. You know, doing that for a while, so it's just the one time that you got caught. I look at when they did the rape uh, rape test kits, where they found that there isn't just one perpetrator, one victim. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, one perpetrator, many victims, any individual victims. So I'm, I'm kind of questioning, you know, this thing that we think that you know, when somebody is, you know, has one conviction. There was only one incident.
1: So, so Frank, in your mind, then the the record that follows them is a way of of doing what? What do you what do you think that achieves? Uh,
5: you know, I think this is this is kind of a you know societal cultural thing, you know, and maybe not a legal thing because we can't you know we can't punish somebody for uh, you know something we didn't prove they did. And so, where does that leave us? I mean, it's um, you know, I think if we took an anonymous survey of of people and asked them this, would would they truthfully answer this that they convict, you know, they committed other crimes just did not get caught? I, I don't know how to do that. My gut feeling is telling me hmm. that uh, that these are not the only crimes that. Uh, these people have committed.
1: Mm. Uh, Frank, I, I, I really appreciate the call. There's some things you said that I don't necessarily agree with, and there's some assumptions you make there that uh, that I might challenge. But but J.J. Prescott, wh- what about this concern uh, that, that Frank's raising here? yeah
0: I, I mean there's no doubt that um, not all crimes are cleared by police people commit crimes and and sometimes they're they're not apprehended and they're not convicted and they don't serve a punishment uh, for it but the system actually recognizes that. so when you're sentenced um, other activities can can be a part of that consideration and on top of that, um, if you're thinking about how to design punishments for crimes, one of the things you ought to be thinking about is if we're going to try to deter people, we have to recognize that sometimes they're they're not going to be caught. And so how do we how do we make sure that the punishment um, fits not just the crime of conviction, but uh, perhaps the un uh, the, the the crimes that that we we didn't catch that that we think that you know, they probably also uh, committed. But uh, there's something, I think, more important um, here, which is what is the goal, I think you raised this, uh, Stephen, of allowing the record to hang around. It is a form of punishment, or at least it it winds up working that way. That's mm-hmm. not how it's intended, or nobody would admit to that being um, part of the intention. The problem is is that it actually makes it more likely people will continue to commit crimes. So if if we're going to punish people, I think everybody agrees that, that it makes sense to to do that for a bunch of different reasons. If you commit a crime, we need to deter people from doing that. We need uh, we need to to make sure that they pay for the crime uh, they committed. I think everybody shares uh, that uh, that feeling. Um, but once we're done with that, the goal should be to to turn them into or to help them become a a a full citizen who is. Um, making uh their way through the world in a productive and healthy and safe way and the you know the, the the way to do that is not to to keep somebody down and to make sure they can't earn a living that doesn't strike me even for somebody who 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 has a dui i mean you know like the idea that it would be um, a good idea to make sure they can't get a job or have stable housing as a way to to punish them for that. It actually just makes me think they're more likely uh, to keep drinking and and probably to keep driving.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Frank, really appreciate the the call and the the really provocative questions and uh, and points you wanted to make uh, there. I want to add another voice to the conversation here, Uh, John Cooper is chief executive officer for Safe and Just Michigan, uh, one of the groups that really advocated for the clean slate law here in Michigan. John, welcome to the show.
6: Uh, Thanks, Stephen. Good morning.
1: Yeah. So uh, talk about uh, Safe and Just Michigan's advocacy for these changes, uh, why that was important, and what you think will be achieved by helping people out with uh, these old convictions.
6: Sure. So, Safe and Just Michigan, by way of background, is is an advocacy organization based in Lansing. Uh, My background is a criminal defense lawyer and a staffer in the legislature. And I've been working on expungement reform for about five years. uh, I got involved with a national group um, that was working on it. That's how I actually found out about JJ's research, which is really the the best thing that's been published on um, expungement outcomes uh, to date, and was really important in helping to pass the Clean Slate Law. Um, you know, I think in terms of impact, there's there's a few things that I I want to mention, and one actually circles back to part of what Frank was asking. Mm-hmm. And I think this this ties J.J.'s research into it, because one question I think Frank was asking is like, you know, can we trust the people who get expungements to stay out of trouble? And the answer is yes. You know, J.J. actually looked at a, a large group of people who got expungements in Michigan and looked at whether they got into trouble again. And that group actually compared favorably to the general public. And that, of course, really strongly supports the idea that we should seal those records then, because people are not being treated like they're not dangerous, right, mm-hmm. when they have records. I mean, even if the record is, is 40 years old, we had an event at the Capitol. There was a, a woman, Elvina Smith, uh, came, came up from Detroit to Lansing, and she said she had an 18-year-old felon that was getting sealed uh, on April 11, and her dad had a 40-year-old one that was still coming up. And... I think that really illustrates the the depth of the issue here. I mean, there's 2.8 million people in Michigan yeah. with criminal records, the state of 10 million. And many, many of those people are suffering and struggling because of those records. And we don't have to keep them public. In fact, the evidence says we shouldn't.
1: Yeah. So, so John, um, you know, I'm glad you circled back to to what Frank was raising as some of his concerns. On, on the call but but I, I would love to have you also address um, another another pushback that I hear sometimes to, to things like this and it's the question uh, about victims, the victims, for instance, of felony crimes in particular, uh, who would of, of course see their their victimizers, uh, have their records, uh, clean, uh, you know, as a result of, of this law, does that, what what kind of message, I guess, do you think that sends to victims? And, and how do we account for that side of the equation when we when we think about these things?
6: Well, that side of the equation was actually at the heart of the legislative debate around what crime should be automatically sealed and what crime shouldn't be. And I, I guess you guys haven't gotten to this yet, but No violent convictions of any kind are eligible for the automatic expungement. Right, right. And in the petition process, the victims are entitled to notice of that hearing. So any person who's the victim of any kind of assaultive crime is going to be notified that there's an expungement petition in the court and will have the opportunity to appear and weigh in on that process. Um, It was important to the legislators that that process be preserved and that um, violent convictions not be eligible for the automatic process in part because of that. Um, in addition, um, no conviction that's punishable by more than 10 years in prison is eligible for the automatic process. And, you know, other ser- serious traffic offenses aren't eligible. Um, and that was all in in the interest of being sensitive to the
1: yeah, harm balance. that victims
6: suffered. Exactly. So it was it was really tailored quite thoughtfully, I think, to preserve victims' rights within the expungement process, and then to focus on lower-level convictions that are holding people back that don't have a significant victim
1: concern. Yeah, yeah. Again, 313 1019 is the number here on the phones. So we've got J.J. Prescott of the University of Michigan. Uh, Law school with us, as well as John Cooper, who's CEO of Safe and Just Michigan. We're talking about expungement. Uh, Let's go next to Lila in Detroit. Lila, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm calling in response to Frank's call just a moment ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not able to let go of the idea that a serial rapist whose test kits were never tested by the police In the city that they lived in um you know getting to rape additional people is really in the same category either as someone who chronically drinks and drives or any of these people who are under expungements i just think that talking about is a restoration of justice for these people who have received or will receive expungements um, given their the you know the minorness of their crimes and the time it's been since they committed additional crimes, I just c- couldn't let it go that we um, that anyone would think that a serial rapist who has gotten away with it because their women were not believed when mm-hmm. they went and had a test kit made. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just find it deeply deeply offensive. And Frank, I hope you're still listening. Please think longer about what you're saying there. Um, that is about a failure of the justice system, not at all about um, people who, you know, commit crimes of poverty, um, who are just trying to live their lives and get an expungement.
1: I think that's a really great point. Um, you know, the range of of you know, criminal behavior for which people are convicted is important, but also, as our guest John Cooper just pointed out, you know, violent crimes, uh, you know, are not going to be subject to this kind of uh, clean slate uh, effort, uh, and that's an important distinction too. Um, but it is, I, you know, I think th- th- there is this this sense of of how you balance the two. The two concerns and your point about the failure of the criminal justice system to take some uh, crimes seriously, to prosecute some crimes uh, to the fullest extent uh, is is another is uh, it's a really important point to keep in mind here. Okay, we need to, need to take uh, another quick break and when we come back we'll continue talking with J.J. Prescott and John Cooper we'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social Darren in Southfield, Holly in St. Clair Shores we'll get to you next if you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number we'll be right back With more Detroit facts.
7: This is Aretha Franklin. This is B.B. King. Hello, this is Jack White. This is Elvis Costello. And you're listening to WDET FM Detroit, your source for quality arts and information programming since 1949.
1: This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for tuning in. Our guests right now are J.J. Prescott, a law professor at the University of Michigan, and John Cooper, CEO of Safe and Just Michigan. We're talking about Michigan's clean slate law passed in 2020 to expunge some misdemeanor and felony offenses for about a million residents here uh, in Michigan. We're talking about what effect that will have on people's lives there. Ability to go on with their lives, even after having committed a crime. Uh, Also, putting it in the context of the discussions about criminal justice reform that have been going on for some time. We, of course, want to hear from you on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the Go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll include you. Let's go to Holly in St. Clair Shores. Holly, welcome to the show.
7: Thank you for having me. Uh-huh. Uh, what I wanted to say was that a lot of times in these conversations, the focus ends up being around the things we commonly think of as crimes, property crimes or assault. But a lot of the people being affected by automatic expungement in Michigan, and I'm one of them, um, the crimes have more to do with poverty than anything. In Michigan, not having a license for your dog is a misdemeanor. Now I live in a county where they used to go door to door to to issue these tickets. So then you can't afford the vet for your dog, you get the ticket, that's a misdemeanor. You can't afford the ticket, your license gets suspended, but you still gotta get to work. That's another misdemeanor. A lot of the things that are being cleared in this are these minor things that yes, it is breaking the law, but there are laws that get broken simply for lack of means and it does follow you it shows up when you do a background check to volunteer with your kids yeah so it ends up really being a quality of life issue over crimes that didn't hurt anyone you know nobody you didn't steal from someone you didn't assault someone but it still follows you
1: yeah yeah Uh, holly great point and uh jj that nexus between uh, a felony conviction or even a misdemeanor conviction and poverty um, is, is one of the things that I think get, gets lost in the conversation as well, that, that this is a driver of some of the poverty that we see.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I just agree 100% with what the, the listener said. Uh, a lot of the crimes that will be covered by this have negative effects on people's lives, make it difficult for employers to to find employees, and have almost nothing to do, if anything to do, with what most of us think about when we think about a criminal record. And, um, and it snowballs once you have something like this that happens perhaps because somebody just stops by your house looking for a violation. If you can't pay it, it starts turning into um, additional legal problems and and those legal problems wind up making it harder for you to to make a living, harder for you to to satisfy other obligations, impossible for you to pay uh, your bills and your taxes and and on from there.
1: Yeah. Uh, John, safe and just uh, Michigan, of course, is also quite mindful of uh, the the connection between poverty and uh, these problems, and the way in which uh, the way in which it makes really makes it much harder for people uh, to escape uh, to escape things like poverty.
6: Oh, absolutely! You know, we we did uh, community listening sessions in in ten cities uh, at, at the start of the Queenslay campaign, and we heard a lot about traffic offenses in particular. And we we found out that 50% of all criminal cases in Michigan are traffic offenses. And and many of them are regulatory crimes that are essentially a function of poverty, whether it be, you know, no valid um, insurance or, you know, some car condition issues, registration, licensure, which Holly mentioned. Um, Those are all interrelated issues in a state where you got to drive to get to work and You know, people just, you know, 60% of people in the United States almost do not have $500 in savings Mm -hmm. for an emergency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, getting pulled over for a regulatory violation is, is an emergency for somebody, especially if they end up getting, you know, taken in and having to pay bail to get out. You know, yeah. these are just interrelated issues. There's fines and fees attached to all these violations, and that can really snowball in destabilizing ways for people. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a question on Twitter. Uh, Big Neo says, I like the idea of activity that's no longer criminal, like marijuana convictions being expunged from individual records. A concern is that citizens may not be properly notified so that they know of the action what's being done to ensure folks are aware we have not talked about how this works the practical side of uh, of how people who have these convictions on their records will see them will see them go away uh, John You, your group was instrumental in, in pushing for the law let us uh, give us a sense of how how this is supposed to work
6: yeah so this is actually a work in progress and um You know, I think this is incredibly important to ensuring that this law has its full effect upon people because it does not directly notify people whose records are being sealed. And that's really, as I understand it, an administrative problem. You know, state police and the state courts don't know where people live and therefore can't notify them. Um, What the two other states that have implemented automatic expungement have done is created a free online resource for people who are impacted um, and that is something we're talking to the administration about, but, you know, those are early stage discussions, so there's not a free public resource yet. What we do have is the state police's iChat system. Um, they have The state police has an uh, information page up about Clean Slate that has links to the iChat system. You can run searches in it for, I think, $10. And um, I believe nonprofits, including... Uh, uh, Safe and Just Michigan will be um, trying to get uh, free search ability um, yeah. as nonprofits, yeah. but it's it's a work in progress. the The notification side of this, I think,
1: is not what it uh, should be. Well, and it's a lot of people. It's a million people in in the state who who may be eligible for this. I, you know, the practical side of that does seem like it would be uh, it would be a, a steep mountain to. To, to climb. Um, so J.J. Prescott, I, w- I want to talk a little about what's next. This is a big step. This is a huge, uh, it's going to make a huge difference here in Michigan. It is not the end of the discussion about the uh, criminal justice reform and uh, the, the idea of reforming the criminal justice system in a way that gives people more opportunity to, to rebuild their lives. So uh, tell me from your perspective, what what should come next
0: gosh there's so many so many things we have <laughs> so many things we we, we need to, to to do but I think one question that has come up that I, I think is just one that we're gonna have to to deal with is is how we define violent crime so it's 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 pretty easy um, in the first steps of reform to focus on nonviolent crimes or crimes of poverty there are a lot of those but if you if if you if you want to know, or if the hope is that the reasons why our prisons are so full and why we incarcerate you know, many times the number of people that other uh, developed countries do, it's it, it has a lot to do with what we call violent crimes. Now, violent crimes are oftentimes not violent in the way most of us uh, think about them, but they lead to 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 very long sentences, and um, and there's there's really no way we're ever going to get back to where we once were as a country or where most other countries are, unless we start to think about how we can um, punish appropriately and at the same time rehabilitate and provide um, mental health services, help people heal and get them back into society. And I think there's a a lot of research going on, pilot programs in this direction, but um, but there's a lot to do still too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Go ahead, uh, John. Oh, well, I
0: mean, I have a couple thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think
6: just I'll give you three to, to uh, chew on. Um, the first is that we really need to think of investments in people's basic needs as um, investments in public safety. Because stable housing, employment, food, transportation are public goods that truly do reduce crime. And I, I think we haven't made that connection as strongly as we should as a society. The same goes with mental health treat- treatment, addiction treatment, and the like.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, second, we need to mitigate the harms of involvement with the justice system. We talked about some of those with criminal records and fines and fees. And uh, I mentioned cash bail. Cash bail. But there, there's lots of ways in which the, any involvement or contact with the criminal justice system is, is is devastating for a person's life. And it doesn't have to be that way. And then as JJ said, I mean, we have a lot of people, tens of thousands of people in prison in Michigan serving very, very long sentences. We have the oldest prison population in the country. We have lots of um, deathly ill people who cannot be paroled because we don't have uh, release valves in our system to release people when they're no longer a threat to public safety. And indeed the priority of the system is not doing that. It's it's. Uh, exacting very long punishments you know we have a the most strict truth and sentencing law in the country we have a lot of mandatory minimums um, around life and long sentences and those are things that need to change in order to i think um, make the system better reflect our values
1: Uh, john what is your sense of the appetite for these kinds of discussions in Lansing, especially now that we have a different majority, a Democratic majority in both houses of the legislature and a Democrat in the governor's office. Do you expect that some of this will be easier to accomplish?
6: Um, I think yes, on the margins. I mean, we're still coming to to see exactly where the new legislature is gonna stand on a lot of this stuff, because the focus has been elsewhere. And, you know, I think among the people that I've spoken with, some are really excited about these issues and just wanna, to, want to you know, do great things. Um, and others are afraid of them. And I think that is normal. And um, in, in some ways, um, similar to what it was, you know, last year and in the years before. I think for many people, criminal justice is an unfamiliar area that takes some time to get comfortable with. And, you know, we're still in the process of educating uh, new lawmakers about sure. these things.
1: Yeah. Uh, J.J. Prescott, I wonder if you can put that in a national context. As I have said a couple times during the show, there is this rethinking of, Criminal justice that's taking place. Uh, uh, talk about the places, I guess, you see momentum and and potential.
0: Sure, I mean a lot of the reforms are, are taking place at the state level, and sometimes in states that you wouldn't necessarily expect it. And there are so many dimensions on on which to work. Some states are are doing really great things, and and on on one dimension and a and and. And really, not moving at all on another dimension. I, uh, the state of Idaho, for example, just passed its first expungement uh, law. It looks similar to what Michigan had uh, in place uh, prior to uh, the recent reforms, mm-hmm. and you know it went through without really any any problem. And people saw the value, especially in a time when we recognize that every citizen, returning citizens included really make a difference to everybody's lives when it's it's you know there are a lot of there's a lot of need for for people to 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 find um to find people to 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 work, you know mm-hmm. so so I, I I think that is you uh, you know that's all great. On the other hand, there has been in the last few years in part because of changes in um and patterns because of covid. Uh, you know, an uptick of of certain crimes in certain cities. And by and large, the country is far, far safer. Crime rates are far, far lower uh, than they were 20 years ago. But, you know, just it's extraordinary. The country is in a very different place. And basically, every city is in a very different place uh, as well. And yet the slight uptick uh, during the last few years in a few places has led to the issue being a hot topic. And now you see, uh, politicians supporting tougher sentences and, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and returning to, um, thinking about, um, fentanyl as a reason to, to turn the the war on drugs back on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is a concern. I mean, I, I think a lot of people have learned the lessons from what we did in the eighties and nineties, but, uh, but I think there's there's risk here. And I think we need to be uh, stay focused on the fact that really we're we're in a much safer uh, country these days than uh, than in the past.
1: Yeah. OK. Uh, J.J. Prescott, uh, University of Michigan Law School. Really great to have you here to talk about these issues. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today.
0: It was my pleasure.
1: And John Cooper, CEO of Safe and Just Michigan. Also really great to have you here. Thanks for joining.
6: Thanks, Stephen.
1: That is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to examine the inequality of protection for victims of domestic violence across state lines with Brown University professor Wendy Schiller. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.